Barbenheimer or either of them, or were you busy all weekend? No, I was uh, busy all weekend, and we had to work, so I think we're going to try and go next weekend. Okay. I have no idea if you'll actually be able to get in, because from what I've seen, they're, like, booked out solid for, like, three or four weeks at this point. Yeah. The the opening weekend box like box office numbers came out for both of them today, and the Barbie domestically made like 175 million, and worldwide it made like 380, and then Oppenheimer made like I think it was 90 domestic, and then 190 worldwide or something like that. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers. I I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but it was the biggest fourth largest movie opening weekend of all time. So you're putting it in the in the likes of like Endgame and those kind of movies, yeah, which uh, is insane. Which is, I mean, yeah, obviously insane. The hype trains were similar though, especially like with like Barbenheimer General. It had a very good hype train. I will say, I think the order that I like that we ended up picking, we did Oppenheimer first and then Barbie second, which is definitely I think the right move in the sense of you obviously go to Barbie expecting it to be like fun and upbeat and everything like that, uh, but you leave Oppenheimer feeling like the world's like heavy like it's yeah. it leaves you in a deep dark place like the last line specifically is unbelievably like deep and just it just it was beautiful to listen to absolutely beautiful to listen to and then you go to barbie where she, the, the opening scene is margot robbie just singing which yep. i will say we're, we're going to talk about a little bit more because uh conservatives have been freaking out over the latter as far as i'm aware that the actual like hogness of like their hog reaction to Oppenheimer itself has been pretty neutral. I mean, it's just basically war propaganda at that point. So that's kind of what they, what they're all about. Um, but people, including Shapiro have been going fucking nuts over Barbie. <laughs> like he released a video is like Ben Shapiro destroys Barbie for 43 minutes. Like, dude, you're grown ass man like a porn with kids. It, it, you're a grown ass man with kids. It's, it's, you can't make that video and expect did people you, to take you did seriously. Did you see his, like, I think it was either his post, or the daily wire post where he's like, they forced me to go to Barbie and, and he's got like a notepad and it's very clear that he just scribbled circles on it. He didn't actually write anything. Yeah. Cause he was dressed up as Ken. He was dressed yeah. up as Ken from the movie. Yeah. No one dragged you there, man. You dragged your producers Wait, there. If you the, didn't go alone. Isn't he like the co-owner co-founder of the daily wire? Nobody's making Ben Shapiro do something. Exactly. He's a co-founder with, with Jeremy boring. So like, unless boring was like, I'm going to kick you out of the company unless you go, which even if he said that, he's like, dude, we're 50, 50 partners. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. No one nobody, is forcing you to go. Nobody man. is forcing Ben Shapiro to go somewhere. No, it's, it was the, the hog copium over Barbie being like, uh, considerably it's like it's a feminist movie like it's like what did you expect it's barbie like that's barbie's a feminist icon exactly so like people have been going oh it's like anti-man and like ant the super like like uh matriarchal like uh, propaganda but at the same time it's like no we 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 just watched very different movies man you're you're freaking out here you've got you've got to calm down and be normal it's like like the funny thing is like it's, it's the classic quote which feels so silly so so silly to put this quote like in the circumstance, but it's like when you have privilege, like equality feels like oppression is literally like what it is. Like the fact that like seeing a movie empowering uplifting women is like you think is an attack on men. It just kind of kind of shows your position. No, yeah, absolutely. It's just if this is causing you to lose your shit, you need to evaluate that shit. I'm, I'm sorry. Like you do. Yeah. Your, your life is not normal. You need to grow up. You're yeah, actually absolutely. a child. <laughs> absolutely. But uh, as much of a cold open, as beautiful as that was, welcome back to episode 22 of the TLGR podcast, Two Lefties Get It Right, with your two hosts, Cameron. And Griffin. And today, on Monday, July 24th, it is a fantastic day. Weather is very nice out. It's a little warm, but that can be expected in the hottest summer in recorded human history. But it's a relatively nice day. Besides your last weekend, how was your week, Bush? Oh, it was good. Uh, I was busy, worked a lot, but um, weather was nice, and you know, had a good got, got a couple rounds of golf in uh, this weekend. It was a good time. That's that's fantastic. We love to hear um, the the work life balance with uh, to our capitalist overlords and everything like that. We yeah. absolutely love it. How about you, Cameron? How was your week? You know, it was pretty good. It was it wasn't super eventful before the movie weekend, just regular work and stuff like that. But no, it was a pretty good week overall, and hopefully, it's another one. A uh, shorter week for work this week, and then. Head back home to uh, help back out. But, uh, yeah, not too much. We have got a fantastic show today. I have been I have been so ready to record all day, all yesterday. I was doing a lot of prep. I've done a lot of prep for this episode specifically. I don't exactly know why. I guess I've just been in a podcaster mood. 
I don't know what that says about my mental health. Who knows? It can't say anything good. No, no, absolutely not. We are the saddest like species of human being on the planet, podcasters. So I'm, I'm glad we have some people, uh, some stands, I guess, that are holding us up. I was requested to release an early episode, but we, we don't have the ability to do that because we're not, uh, we don't plan ahead. So I apologize what, to the request. What is an early episode? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe later down the line, if we get some Patreon, Patreon going in there, we'll get some money. <laughs> But we'll we see. Don't, we don't have the budget for early episodes. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we got a great show planned today. We're going to start off with some hog news. Our favorite conservatives freaking out, especially one of our faves. Well, my fave, especially. Then we got some news coming out of Florida. I got some hypotheticals to ask my dear co-host Griffin. And then we're going to be talking, spending the rest of the episode talking about today's overarching theme, which is misogyny and the toxic masculinity pipeline, including the incel pipeline. So we're, it's going to be a great show. Hope you stick around. But as per always, we're going to start with the news. And we've got some great news. Some, some news that will make the worst people on the planet, as I just said, especially the, the extra worst of the leftist podcast community, really, really happy. So our favorite uh, change my mind provocateur, Stephen Jebediah Crowder, oh, the goat. is going through a messy divorce. Uh, it came out a couple months ago that he was an abusive piece of shit to his wife. Shocking. And and she filed for divorce, and now the court the trial is underway. Let's and go. oh boy, it is going fantastically. Is it? I haven't seen student. anything about this. Oh god, exactly. I was going to send this to you, but I'm like, you know what? This is going to be a fun story. I'm going to tell Griffin. I'm, I'm going to make his day. I'm going to make his day for this. Let's go. So the Stephen Crowder divorce trial has begun. He's began to turn ugly, according to the New York Post, which is crazy. The New York Post is like a right wing like media apparatus by all admissions. So like the fact that they've been so critical on Crowder really says how bad of a person he actually well, it is. Just, and he's like, I mean, the New York Post as like, it, you know, always been a conservative, semi-conservative, right-leaning media post. They're never like strayed too far from like establishment Republicanism. Yeah. It's, it's basically kind of like Fox News light is probably the best yeah. way to describe them. Like they'll usually shill like in main state Republicans. Like I know like they were hammering on Eric Adams about crime in New York. Cause like, that's like every conservative's wet dream is to talk about crime. Yeah. They're very like standard Republicans, like crime, capitalism. Yeah. Kind of kinda gay, gay kind of bad, but I guess it's fine. As long as you do it secretly, just don't tell yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But the New York post has released an article talking, they're covering Stephen Crowder's divorce, which according like, uh, thanks to Hillary, the former Hillary Crowder, I don't know what her maiden name is, but she is insisting that the court remains open to the public despite cries for Steve, from Stephen and Stephen's legal team that it like closed the doors to the public. Let's but, go. But she has been insistent that it stays to the public because otherwise her voice will never be heard because his platform is massive and hers is non-existent. So she's making sure that we are all in there with him. Hearing Stephen Crowder get absolutely owned by the judge. Uh, Stephen Crowder has demanded full custody of both of his one-year-old <laughs> twins. Surprise, surprise there. Despite him preaching for years and years that parents, that kids need both a mom and dad no matter what, even if they're divorced. Because, you know what, his morals are so consistent all the time, especially when they apply to him. Famously. Uh, Hillary is alleging that he will be an unfit father, especially by himself, in the sense that uh, he was not there for the birth of his kids, despite it being a scheduled C-section. And he was barely there after they were born and barely kept track of them. He has tweeted incessantly how fathers are are pretty much useless for the first few years of life as mothers are just naturally t- attuned to that. Because, you know what, that's what he wants, him to go off and work and wife to stay home with the kids and make sure to yep. cook and clean all that stuff. The, the trad wife lifestyle. And it is getting so messy, the fact that they're bringing up all these old tweets and everyone is kind of thick. Now the show that he runs on YouTube is called louder with Crowder for a reason. He likes to talk. If anything, Steven likes to talk. He actually installed a, uh, a button that I also have that keeps my co-host from talking as much as possible. So he actually installed that. <laughs> Do you actually? Show. Oh yeah. I have a light that stops you from talking all the time. I just mute you. You're, you're never actually hurt. That's I didn't know you did that. You bastard. <laughs> yeah, the, but the court stenographer was actually having a really hard time keeping up with the uh, track, like with the people talking in the courtroom for the sense of Stephen was just yelling over her counsel. Now, she has been a very, like, decent, uh, I guess not defending because it's a divorce, but plaintiff, I guess is the technical word of 
she has been kind of sitting there like she's not a very aggressive person. She's a conservative woman that was that was living a trad lifestyle for a while. So, I mean, I don't exactly expect her to be like standing up and screaming back at him. But her legal team, as a by extension of him, has been shutting him down at every single point because he keeps yelling at her or uh, the judge keeps yelling at him. It's been fantastic. But he is, uh, call, he is calling for uh, full custody of the twins because he is calling Hillary uh, erratic, citing that she quote unquote leaked their address on Twitter for months and he never he never knew about it. This coming off the this being despite the fact that Hillary does not have a Twitter nor any public social media presence, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to do that, sir, without those things. And her family also does not have Twitter, like her immediate family that she lives with, like with her parents, and then I think her sister as well. None of them actually have any form of public social media presence. So uh, his accusation that the family is the ones that a leaked the ring uh, camera footage that showed him yelling at her and that they leaked the, their address on Twitter are completely baseless conjectures. And the judge has basically shot down every immediate uh, motion that Crowder has called for, including he wanted to have custody now while the, while the court was like going on, but he said, absolutely not. They're staying with Hillary. So Base judge, actually, I think actually it's a it's a woman judge. I'm my mistake, but yeah, I see zero circumstance where Stephen Crowder ends up with more than like a weekend a month. I think that's even generous at this point with with that level of abuse think, being documented. I it's really it, hard. I think it really depends on what she asks for. Um, that's true. I, I'm sure she's probably asking. She's probably still conceding to the fact that he should get at least like like you said a weekend a month. Because yeah. like at the end of like, the day, I don't, she's like I don't know him. if she's fighting for I don't know if she's fighting for full custody or if she's fighting for partial custody or what she wants. But yeah, that's a great that's a great question. The article didn't cover that, but all I heard was the Steven side and the fact that he's losing this hard makes me really really happy because oh, it's beautiful. As we've discussed, whether on this show or in general, everyone in the leftist space kind of has their like favorite, aka least favorite mouthpiece on the Republican side on the Hog News side. Mine has always been Steven Crowder. As a former Crowder fan, I see how cringe he is now and how just horrendously unfunny he is. And as someone that considers himself to also be unfunny, I I, I gatekeep my unfunny people, and he is outside of the community of that. He is not allowed to, at our meetings anymore. I, I can't stand him. He very much irritates me. Yeah, I, I mean, I was never, like, a big Crowder fan. I am, like, it was always kind of like, a, oh, ha, ha, he's owning the libs. But he, like, can you look back at it? He really wasn't. He just screamed at him. He's like, oh, yeah, source, absolutely. source, source. Like, well, he's, well, he sits there with heritage point talking points and data, quote unquote data that they yeah, make he, up. Like, that he's literally just making up. It's like, so what's your source? Well, heritage footage, what's their source? I made it the fuck up. Exactly. The Koch brothers told me this, so I have yeah. to listen to them. But yeah, that's uh, that's the Steven Crowder update. I don't even think that Hassan has covered a whole lot. I tried getting him to talk about it in chat yesterday, but he wasn't listening. But another hog, uh, a new hog, you would say, is famous country singer Jason Aldean. Oh, I've Jason seen so much about this. Is on his hog arc with a vigilante justice lyric in his newest song, I believe, is the exact thing. Have you listened to the song? I have not listened to the song. So, I was going to at the right. gym. So I might, I might, uh, I might interject on your story here real quick, if I may. Go for it. I heard this song for the first time when it came out, or like being in the summer, so a couple months ago, right? What and is the song it, called? It's called "Try That in a Small Town" okay. by uh, Jason Aldean. And essentially the premise of this song is he's saying like, oh, take the guns away, carjack. He basically just lists like all the things that happen in cities. Crime is usually committed by black people. Um, And it says you try that in a small town. See how the chorus is try that in a small town. See how far you make it down that road. Around here we take care of our own. Um, And it's like there's so many. I, I better there's. A lot of fantastic creators on TikTok who do a, a very good job, like, breaking down some of the lyrics and, like, analyzing the dog whistles in them, the racist dog whistles and, like, the lynching tones and stuff that are in it. Um, the better job than I could ever do. So, literally, just look up, like, try that in a small town controversy and I'm sure you could – or dog whistles and you could find something on TikTok very quickly. Oh, I yeah, heard the I'm song sure. for the first time and I was like, I'm not I'm – I – am okay with some of Jason Aldean's older music. I would by no means call myself a fan. And uh, I heard I think this that's song. that's probably how I categorize yeah. myself too. Like every once in a while I'll listen to a song of his and everything like that. But at the same time, I am now, never going to be a stan for Jason Aldean. Yeah. It's like I very recently, or like I, the first time I heard on the song, first of all, it's just not a very good song, to be honest. Um, 
but like the one like that jumped out to me is like oh come in take our guns try that in a small town it goes back into the chorus and i was like my, my like he's just it's literally just like the hog fantasy of killing government officials and black people like that's Absolutely. the whole song it's just the personification of that hmm. well th- that personification has been spun by the republican mouthpiece that is fox news uh all the live long day every every fox news host for the last 72 hours has been absolutely like going oh my god throat deep on this man and this song especially they actually had him on the other night i think it was on the segment right before jesse waters i don't know the exact host but his exact comment to the uh, comment about like the state of politics in general was, I love our country and want to see it restored to what it was before this bullshit started happening. Of course, referring to when Brandon was elected, and even back when he was a kid specifically. So, like, so it's a great, fun- great hog arc. And the funny thing about Jason Aldean is like, he's a city boy. He's always been a city boy. He, he's like, never seen dirt a day in his life. He <laughs> makes the total bro pop country. He was born in like, in a city, I think, in either Georgia or Tennessee, like an actual city. Like, it might have been Nashville. It might have been, like, Atlanta. Um, but he's a city boy through through. He lives in, like, a $6 million home in fucking Nashville. Yeah, he was raised in Macon, Georgia, with a population of 160,000. Yeah, that's yeah, really small, a, man. Yeah, he's a city boy. He's never been a small-town boy. He never will be a small-town boy. Like, it's not like we're small-town boys. Waconia's not exactly small, but... Smaller no. than fucking Macon, Georgia. Yeah, we're literally a tenth of their population, man. If you want to co- talk about us, small town, that's a small town com- in comparison. Yeah, and like we have small towns around us. We spent a fair amount of time. I mean, fucking, I spent years in high school out in like Norwood <sighs> and New Germany, and these are small towns. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I love the dichotomy of small town America. Like you genuinely, you go, you step away from like the cityscape and like the city, like stuff like that, because that's where all the crime is happening. Remember, listen Famously. to that. Uh, when you step out to these like country fields, obviously we were raised and like everything like that. So it's just this different culture of, oh my god, look what's happening in those cities because they're running it. Like, who's they, man? Like, what's going on here? Who's Come they? on. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh, and that was really talks about like specifically, like, oh yeah, look out for the inner city. It's like it's like yeah, it, black people. Like, just say black people, dude. Like, you know, <laughs> speaking of black people, that actually gives me a pretty good segue to our next topic of news. We got to talk about Florida. So. The Florida uh, statewide school board voted to change the current curriculum for, I believe, K through 12. It could be just uh, 5 through 12. I can't remember exactly. But the overall public school uh, curriculum has been voted unanimously to change despite heavy protests during the actual, like, demonstration and during, like, the actual school board meeting. They have voted to uh, to teach that, quote-unquote, enslaved people are – or enslaved people developed skills that could be applied to their personal benefit as oh, well no. as, requ- as, as well as requiring both sides of violence to be taught when discussing violence towards black protesters, including the Tulsa massacre. So basically what that equates to the sec- I'll talk about the second part first, because the first part we can bounce more on top of each other. Cause that's just openly terrible. But the second part specifically is basically taking away all of the meat of black protest in the sense. And it's basically just, completely undermining them by claiming that they were all violent extremists and that they, that if, and when a white like counter protester was killed or was injured in any way, that's where the main story should be. And that's where the main focus should be. Like, for example, I said, I'm talking about like the Tulsa massacre. Yeah. The Tulsa race massacre is when basically these white farmers went into the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma and pulled out, I think it was over 200 black men out of their homes, literally just sitting for no reason uh, and started killing them. I, the exact uh, massacre, the actual details, I can pull up more specifics, but the basic generation of they just wanted to kill black people, especially black men, because they were assuming that they had raped someone, I believe was the exact cause of it. But they pulled them out of their homes, they beat them with inch of a life, and they killed them. Well, as it started going on that night, more and more people started defending themselves, as they rightfully should. And I believe like four white, like four of the white like abductors were killed in response. So they're basically saying in Florida now, when they teach that, that's what's the most important part. That's what we really have to focus on is life is life lost, guys. Like, don't mind why they were killed. Don't mind that the other people were killed in hundreds of more amounts than them or way more brutally. Don't worry about that. But that is the state of Florida right now deciding. Let's just ignore race as anything that's important. It's <laughs> so, so it's funny. It's a great it's story. Like- the people who, like, condemn, like, oh, BLM, or are the same people who are like, yeah, January 6th was sick. Like, 
January 6th was peaceful, but if it wasn't peaceful, it was because of Nancy Pelosi. And Antifa. And Antifa. Which is like, like, obviously, you know, the insurrection of the Capitol is, like, deplorable in every possible way. And, uh, there, I, I think there's an error. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Don't say it. Don't say some lib shit. Please I'm don't say, say some it, lib shit. And I don't know if it's lib shit, but it might be. But I can't believe I'm going to say it. I, I think there is an air of hypocrisy on both sides when it comes to the idea of peaceful versus like violent demonstrations. Like you see the same people who say January 6th was sick are mad at BLM people rioting and the same people who are saying January 6th sucked are like, yeah, but like burn down the cities. And I, I would, would, before you, uh, tell me how, how, how big of a dumbass I am. <laughs> I understand. I understand that the motives are different and like, the BLM has infinitely more justification for being that angry and for lack of a better word, violent. And, you know, in, in this situation, like they're incredibly more justified. However, in, in my personal view, violence, like a violent demonstration is not, I, I can't condone a violent demonstration in any regard, it, despite how much more justified it is in our current American climate. That is, I get it. I we we're all angry. We still are angry, and I could never understand the anger that you know a black person could be feeling in that time. But I again can't condone violence in that situation. So yeah, the only uh, the issue that I have with I guess the both sides argument and complaint that you that uh, you brought forward in that sense was, I think the media has done a very good job of hammering in this narrative to the normies population of like that the BLM riots were very very dangerous. Uh, like the summer of 2020 yeah. specifically. I, I understand that that's not the reality. Like it was definitely way <laughs> overplayed than it actually was. But I, I know the meat, I know the meat, what you're trying to say for sure. I think like, and you're a hundred percent, you are hundred percent correct in the sense of both sides of the political aisle will always use riots as like the defining characteristic of like, Oh, they're supporting this or they're not supporting this. And they'll both always cite that MLK speech where he, where he says riots are the language of the unheard. And they'll both use it to say that, oh, MLK was pro-riot, he was anti-riot. So I 100% agree where, like, uh, that the narrative that the media has pushed is basically following that. Because they basically pushed that, oh, everyone that entered the Capitol on January 6th was arrested for 700 years. They're waiting in GC prison, which is true. Some of them are still waiting in prison for their sentence, which is absolutely deplorable. I do not support that in any sense of the word. And that all the people that were out on the streets the tw- in the summer of 2020 during the BLM stuff that they got no time, which is not true. There were several lengthy no, prison sentences coming out quite a few arrests. If anything, I would say if anything coming, like, because obviously it was a larger movement, there'd probably be more collective time due to those well, than there was and January 6th. Just the overall difference between, I mean, like, because it's not, a, I, once the curfew's in place, like, the only law they're breaking is violating curfew. I don't even know if that's, like, a sentence or if it's a fine. I don't know what the punishment was in, you know, Minneapolis, for example, for violating curfew. But if you're just out on the street, like, at the riot, quote-unquote riot like like you're just like chilling hanging out like you could legitimately be there as a peaceful protester and other people around you are being violent like you're probably you're probably gonna get arrested because you broke curfew but you didn't do anything you know versus you were actively involved in an armed insurrection of the capital is a little different yeah yeah absolutely i will um so to push back to the first part of the florida legislation that was just passed or just voted on rather um, I've been seeing a lot of people that have been extremely upset by this, rightfully so. It's a deplorable law that people that they're actually teaching that enslaved people learn skills like that help them afterward. Uh, Jesse Waters specifically tried to defend it and basically said, no, 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 guys, it's not as bad as it sounds. Like they're actually just teaching skills that like some of them were happy afterward. And even like fellow Fox News hosts have basically said, we don't agree with Jesse Waters because Jesse Waters is the worst news host I have ever yeah, seen. He's so bad. He's never been right once in his entire journalistic he's, career. It's honestly kind of impressive. See, and that's the one thing that, what, Tucker, first of all, brilliant propagandist. I have much like despise Tucker. But, and the one thing that he did really well inside is when, like what Florida just did, when they do something really stupid and really dumb, he either, one, wouldn't cover it, or he would kind of back away from it and distance himself from it and say, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. 
Like, or he would yeah, be able to just... spin it how the GOP wanted it to be spun, like yeah. how the Florida GOP wanted it to be spun. Yeah, no, Jesse just Waters is lie. not that guy. Yeah, he would just straight up lie and just be like, no, it's it's actually not this. Like, the liberals are lying to you. It's it's actually. And Jesse Waters is like, no, they're being racist, and it's awesome. Of all the hosts on Fox News, why did you He's give so Tucker's spot to Jesse He's Waters? actually the worst. He's actually the worst. Like, if I were to put on my RNC Fox News hat for a second, pretend I was their planning guy and, like, was going to, like, find someone to fill up the Bill O'Reilly Tucker spot, I'm probably giving it to, like, Gutfeld, Hannity, or No, it can't be Hannity. I'd give it to Laura. I think Laura's the only option. The only reason I throw Hannity in there is because, obviously, he has his own show, and he has his own time that he's on every day. Like, middle – I think he's, like, what, noon or some shit like that? Yeah. But at the same time – he is a fantastic propagandist as well as Tucker. He's been doing it for a very long time. He was there when the news, when the network started. He's been there for like 30, 40 years at this point. And he has just cultivated this cult of personality in the sense of he is so pro GOP candidates. It's crazy. Like the only reason I think personally that they didn't give him the spot is Fox News as a corporation does not want Donald Trump to be president again. Meanwhile, Hannity clearly wants Trump to be president again yeah. over and any I just. Reason. I don't think that Hannity's contentious enough. Um, like, because I think, like, you know, like Tucker, like, if Tucker gets up there and, like, you know, he's going to go with their agenda, and he, he's, he's de- but, like, Tucker's not going to suck somebody off. Like, he's not going to suck Donnie, or he, and he's not going to enjoy sucking Donnie if he has to. He's but, not like, going to enjoy it, but he's supposed Hannity to. Hannity will, will be on his knees, deep throating, licking the balls. Like, he's all over it. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. He does a very good job with that. And, that's why I was so confused when they gave it to Jesse Waters, because he is not that guy. Uh, he, he he's on the five. Is... He's on the five, and that's all he's got. Yeah. Well, yeah, he definitely doesn't have the experience. I think, and you know, my uh, Fox News-watching father and his comrades agreed that Laura Ingalls should have gotten it. Um, I think she's probably, I, I think she's on par with, like, Hannity and Gut, definitely better than Gutfeld, probably on par, if not better than Hannity, I think. Um. And I just, I, I think, I feel like, oh, and she doesn't already, she kind of has that cult following, but not really. Handy already has some time slot. Plus, maybe they can, I don't know, it's, I think, <laughs> Loki, the only thing that might have stopped him is the fact that she's a woman. And yeah, that's, that's And their fair. audience. That is like, fair. Like, my dad, you know, as much of a chud as he could be, is a normie Republican. Like, he doesn't give a fuck if it's a woman or not. Like, he's not, like, sexist in that way. It's, but it's there's the definitely message, a not the big, It's definitely a big chunk of their audience that would be upset to see it be a woman. No, yeah, that that is a, that is a point that I probably hadn't even considered. But at this, like at the same time, they're still not any short for white guys that can tell that message. But no. I, I, I digress. I'm just trying to help Fox News out. I, I love those guys. I want to see them succeed. Yeah. Just, well, and like, great time. at least Tucker, like as awful as, as Tucker was, at least he was entertaining. Jesse just sucks. Jesse like, Waters how I, is. How so, am I going to listen yeah. to the worst politics ever? And it's fucking Jesse Waters. Like, come on. Yeah, make it fun. Yeah. At least Tucker was there. Like when I have to got forced to watch Tucker with my dad, at least I could listen to Tucker and not Jesse Waters. What's going on? That's the great cadence. It's a yeah, gr- dude, he's a he, great deliverer. He is so pleasant to listen to if he was talking about anything else but those conservative bullshit you've ever heard. I've heard his uh, he's thinking about launching his own network actually. Uh, besides, because now that he realizes Twitter is not financially stable for him because he's making like negative pennies on the dollar to that thing. Like, he still makes money. I mean, like, he's still raking in tens of millions of views. I think but he should go a Twitter view CNN. is worthless. Nothing. <laughs> he should go on CNN. That would be so awesome. That would be pretty awesome. That would be pretty if fantastic. Tuck, if Tucker goes straight lib on CNN, that would be so sick. He, like, replaces Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. <laughs> yeah. That would be, that'd be fantastic. You know, uh, I will say, to end the Florida segment on a little happier news, uh, I don't know, happy for who, for, for the weirdos that like to see mega corporations fail, I guess, but I don't know. Uh, on yesterday, McDonald's uh, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, was uh, ordered to settle for $800,000 in what has become known as the Hot Nugget case, wherein a four-year-old girl was, quote-unquote, severely burned in 2019 at a drive through in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Because the nuggets were that hot? $800,000. It was for a four-piece nugget. I'm yes. burning myself on some nuggets. Goddamn. But you gotta look at that. Like everyone always like yells at the frivolous, like or always points to, like the frivolous lawsuit. Like, oh, I'm gonna sue like Disney because I like stub my toe in Disney World. Like, 
This clearly took four years. That daughter definitely has no idea what's going on. She was four years old. And, like, I want to see how, how bad the severely no burned was. Because even in the article, severely burned was in quotation marks with, a, with an asterisk saying, to the defendant's discretion. <laughs> if that nugget was literally on fire and you just, like, grabbed it quick and let it go, it wouldn't burn you that bad. $800,000. Oh, that's, my God. I mean, it's awesome. But Fuck McDonald's. That, that, that's awesome. Absolutely. Get the billionaires. I, I want them to keep paying this. $800,000 to everyone's ever ate there for, I don't know, just the obesity yeah. rate. Those or like that. Give are, absolutely. Those parents are ballsy. It's like, if I get burned by a chicken nugget, I go, ow. And then you move on. And then I eat it. Like, <laughs> But you got to wonder, too, that $800,000 was the settlement money. How fat of a bag did that defense lawyer just make? Oh or did that uh, prosecutor just make? I can't believe how fucking like, a law firm took it up. That's crazy. <laughs> for that much money, too. Like, someone walks into, like, a prestigious law firm and says, I want to sue McDonald's for $800,000. Because my better, daughter got you, hurt by a nugget. <laughs> you be, that def- that lawyer's probably thinking, I really hope you found some, like, dead body and you're, like, suing for, like, emotional trauma or something. No, 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 I got burned by a nugget. Is she okay? Yeah, she's fine now. What do you yeah, she's, it, her, her hand's a little red. <laughs> oh, no, like, that'd be really bad. Uh, but yeah, keep keep doing it. Keep suing McDonald's. I fully support that. Uh, keep supporting all. Like keep basically suing all these companies to obliteration. I fully. We're not just a legal precedent for it. Everybody should sue McDonald's for burnt my nugget. You know, speaking of legal precedent. So, <laughs> I follow our very esteemed senator uh, Amy Klobuchar on Instagram, and I think on fellow. <laughs> Did you just on call stuff. Amy Klobuchar esteemed? You fucking. Oh she, Oh yeah, she's my <laughs> she's my favorite. She. <laughs> She's becoming more and more lib as the time. Like, she used to be kind of, like, a contentious, like, figure in the Democratic Party. Like, she was kind of, like, yeah, center-left. But now she's just full-on establishment. Whatever. You, you take what you can get. But Amy Klobuchar, uh, I think it was, I think she tweeted this out that was where I saw it. But she is on the Senate Judiciary Committee, one of the most powerful committees in, the, in Congress, actually, and responsible for appointing Supreme Court justices and basically just the over, overhaul of the federal judiciary system. And there is an ethics bill that was introduced in this committee basically to rein in the Supreme Court and make sure that they are not exactly being this tyrannical government that they have taken taken upon themselves to be, be so happily to do so, right? Uh, they debated on it, and it passed out of the first committee, uh, out of the Judiciary Committee, on party lines, voting 11 to 10, Democrats 4, and Republicans completely against it. And it now moves to a floor vote. This, is, uh, this bill is almost guaranteed to fail in the House if and when it ever gets there. I don't even know if Manchin will pass this on the floor vote. Who knows? He's probably completely against this. Who knows? But the bill as is contains establishing a code of conduct for the Supreme Court that has to be that has to be like basically signed into law within like or when it's signed into law, they have six months to enact it. So they'll push that back for eternity anyway. But it. Titans financial disclosures, basically trying to limit billionaire donors. They have to like disclose every time that they get any money more than they already do. Uh, and they bolster a recusal requirement for like by, a case by case basis that does not exist now. When a Supreme court justice recuses himself from a case, which is very rare to do in the first place, it's uh, basically to say that like, I'm going to make this vote easier for someone else. Like I'm just going to back away. These uh, ethics guidelines that just passed out of committee basically would say like, uh, Amy Covid Barrett couldn't have voted on uh, Roe v. Wade because she had made a public statement about abortion being anti-specifically. So basically, if you've made a political statement, you have to recuse yourself from those cases. That or I feel like you have some sort of like uh, or like a lot of times we see judges recuse themselves is because like, a good judge, at least that we used to see in the Supreme Court, that like they knew they're like, I have a conflict of interest in this case. I'm going to abstain. Exactly. So that's what just passed out. If this will ever go anywhere, like I said, it's almost guaranteed to fail in the House, so I wouldn't exactly get my hopes up for it um, in the sense of it will get there, get shot down, or it'll just get amended and sent back to committee forever, and it will never actually go anywhere. But in the miracle world that it somehow passes the House, somehow gets to Brandon's desk, and he signs it, they'll take all of those six months to do nothing, and in those six months, they will rule on that law saying it's unconstitutional. Because whenever any law has ever been made to go against the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court gets a case from a mysterious lawsuit that comes against that comes for them and says, "Oh yeah, it's actually unconstitutional, guys. So no more law for you." Yeah, the only way the Supreme Court ever gets checked is um, a constitutional amendment, so yep. it'll never happen. Exactly, at least not in our lifetime. You know, but speaking of Congress, I do have a question for you. 
And I thought about this the other night, and I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to hear Griffin's take on this because I don't know if we will actually agree on this or not. So if there was, if you know how we we grew up listening to, not exactly us, but more so our parents, and we kind of felt like the rem, the remnants of it. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> but that was an actual cough. That was a sarcastic cough, but. We grew up kind of listening to those schoolhouse rock videos, and that's kind of how our basis of government was like established. That's how we be- we became the nerds that we are today, because the songs were so catchy. They were bad. Exactly. The one that I'm pretty sure most people, especially our age, listen to for sure was "How a Bill Becomes a Law." It was like, oh, someone suggests a law, then it goes to the floor, whatever it was, right? If there was a proposed bill at the federal level, let's say I walked into the House of Representatives tomorrow. And I propose a bill. And let's just ignore party lines for a sec, just for the sake of the question. Whether they have all three chambers or both chambers of the same party, whether they're one of each, doesn't really matter. If I walked into withholding a bill and was just demanded a floor vote right then and there to ban corporate lobbying, do you think there would be any form of symbolic resonance for that bill? Like, what do you think the breakdown would be? By party, by like people, anything like interesting? Both the Senate and the House. Well, we got 435 members in the House? Yep, 435 House, 100 in the Senate. All right, so I think we're probably seeing about 419 against in the House and probably about 97 against in the Senate. Yeah, see, and that's that's kind of what I th- what I think, too, in the sense that there's no way it would yeah, ever I, even come close to passing. No, but the, it, question- it, the only people who wouldn't would be, like, the newbies who haven't had a chance to really like line their pockets yet or like Bernie. That's fair. That's fair. And I agree with that. The only reason I even ask about it in the sense of it honestly might be worth it in the fact of instead of making like these long bills and everything like that for this one specifically, it's a one line bill. We're going to vote on whether to keep or ban corporate lobbying to basically hold the representatives accountable in the sense of a symbolic vote. It wouldn't actually get anywhere, but I just want to see who would actually be spineless enough to say, yeah, I'm voting in favor of getting more money. Because I want to just, like, see what, like, what large percentage of people are actually so spineless. Because I think, think that would actually could, show... I think we could petition that. We probably could. Get it on, like, some, like, ballot measure or some shit. Because yeah. I genuinely would love to see the symbolic vote of that. Because... We should, we should look into that. I bet I, we could get I, yes. so many fucking signatures for that. Every... There is no... There is no more bipartisan issue on the planet or in the country than ending corporate lobbying and gerrymandering. Everyone yeah. hates both Everybody of those Everybody hates things. both of them. They're exactly. both the worst. They're, because elections had been well, bought for and paid like, um, and designed beforehand. Like everyone speaking of uh, speaking of gerrymandering. Okay, let's go. I'm gonna talk. About, I'm gonna talk about Alabama. Oh yeah. So not too long ago, Alabama, you know, being the Republican haven that it is, is like, um, I don't want. They basically they gerrymandered the fuck out of their electoral district to make it so that all pretty much their entire majority black. Um, was lumped into one district. I believe they're which, second, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it made it to the Supreme Court, and this fucking Supreme Court said, yeah, guys, come on, that's kind of fucked up. Like This get, Supreme Court, yeah. yeah that's, this that's Supreme Court, this happened like a couple months ago, was like, yeah, you got to redraw that and have at least two black majority districts. And Alabama said, fuck you, and just said made no. one anyways. <laughs> yeah, and, they just, they just didn't do it. And so, like, I see, and, and nothing's happened about it since. Like, I, I don't. I think what, it has what, to get get back to the governor's desk. I think he has to sign it, and then it'll get appealed yeah. again. So basically, going into twenty twenty four, I don't know what the election like looking like in Alabama will be because they have to have it done like before. You, I don't think you can appeal it start. again. Like it's a court order, but also they can't enforce it. So at the same time, and I saw this, and this is a beautiful take. If the Supreme Court cannot force Alabama to redraw their districts, they cannot force Joseph R- Robinette Brandon to not cancel student loan debt. That's based, or they can't uh, stop states from making abortion laws to protect yeah. it. Yeah. No, that's actually a great take because at the end of the day, when it comes down to like power and like legal authority, who is uh, keeping it up? Like those nine justices are going to go to Alabama and like what arrest someone, yeah, beat someone they, up to get they, them to do that? They no, no, they're not going to call the cops. Well, that's like when we look at the government breakdown. Is like congress is in charge of more or less like congress and the president are in charge of enforcing laws through those you know different agencies and whatnot i mean that is what the executive branch is like supposed to do is enforce laws yeah through different agencies you know atf da etc fbi you know so on 
God, so, I love the ATF. They're just, there's, I, there's so much. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms should be the name of a store, not a government agency. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's fantastic, dude. Let's, that's, my OG, that's my OG libertarian take. Screw this podcast shit. Let's start a chain store, ATF. ATF. ATF for family, man. That's, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Get all your shopping needs done at ATF at your local hardware store. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Let's go. That sounds fantastic. You actually have to use all three by the time you exit the store. Like, you go yeah. in, they There's give a you a cigar. Range. They give you a cigar, you have to buy a gun and shoot the gun at least once, and then take a huge <laughs> swig of whiskey, and then you can drive home. We're like a responsible American. Yeah. Like a red-blooded true American. Like a red-blooded American. Uh, soon it'll be... <laughs> we take away my driving lights. Soon it'll be a communist country. <laughs> Get in the car like, after yeah. a long day of work. You can't have at least one or two beers. Pretty soon it's going to be a communist country. Famously. Communism Famously is, communism. When, is when no drinking and driving. Famously. So stupid. And the American public is actually so dumb. Like, even, like, it's, so it's, it's never been, like, oh, there was never, like, a time can point to and say, like, oh, man, they used to know shit. No, no, we've always been brain dead. Always even with, dumb. like, infinite access to, like, inf- information at our fingertips. Even people in our generation have been grown up on technology and have, like I said, access to all info at all times. Even them, some of them are still so brain dead. Like, look at us. We don't know anything about anything. We're dumbasses. We're literally idiots. Yeah, absolutely. No, speaking of idiots, this is where we are going. This is where we are going to more so transition into the rest of the episode, talking about something that we have both had a craving to talk about for a while, especially me in this last week because I. During work, I like to listen to YouTube or Spotify or whatever it is. I mostly YouTube. And I like to listen to leftist creators just basically listen, spout propaganda in my ear all day. I like to be radicalized. What can I say? Fucking love my echo chamber. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I would never want to leave it. And because of that, I've been listening to a lot of Noah Samson. Now, Noah Samson is not the idiot that I was trying to transition away from. I'll get there in just a second. But Noah Samson is a leftist creator on YouTube. And I, he was just recently on my favorite leftist podcast, uh, the program on Spotify. Please go check it out. And he's basically this guy who loves to talk about the manosphere, especially like the concept of toxic masculinity and how males, because he likes to see himself as a good male role model. He tries to teach masculinity in a healthy way. Like he's by no way go to the gym three times a day, kind of that kind of guy. But he is in any way, just be a normal dude, be a good dude and just, you know, be normal. That, that's the yeah, whole thing. He's a very, very fun normal. dude. Yeah. He's very fun dude. I, I actually, like Samson. I, I recommended him to Sam because him and Sam are so similar in personality. Just both like dry. Yeah, man. What's, what's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very funny. But the long segue I've been trying to make about the idiot is I have one last final news story that also ties into today's theme. Our favorite Romanian sex trafficker born in uh, Washington, D.C., growing up in Gary, Indiana. In the 80s and 90s, Andrew, or what's his full name? It's not, his first name is not Andrew, but. It isn't? No, no, he, he has three names, and his first name is not Andrew. It's like, I want to say it's like Elijah or something weird like that. Like, it's not like it, a. Hold on. If you can find it, let me know. But our favorite Romanian sex trafficker, Andrew Tate, has been in under house arrest since the, since the beginning of March. Him and his brother Tristan, as well as two oh. of their Romanian associates that are under this Sorry. human trafficking so and I found, sexual I found this actual name, yeah, and it's so British. Emery Andrew Tate III. That's what it was. I knew it started with an E. That's what, I knew it was yeah, something else. So yeah, Emery Andrew Tate is, has been in under house arrest for the last three months. Four months, rather. And I was wondering the other day, I looked up, when is his actual trial going to start? Because it's got to be like, I don't know, semi soon, because I can't stand hearing these tater tots because he has been given back both his Twitter and his just podcast in general. So he's still spouting out messages that are really, really harmful and really, really damaging to a lot, a lot of men that still listen to him that take him seriously for some reason, which we will talk about in a little bit, but him specifically, I looked up when his trial is supposed to start. Do you know when his Romanian trial is supposed to start Bush? I have no idea. Well, the judge has until the end of the summer to set a trial date, but the actual trial is not expected to start for at least three to four years. Oh, jeez! Isn't that insane? That's all of crazy. those, all of those victims, all of those women that he has been like uh, accused of sex trafficking, and not even accused, he's admitted to doing it. In the sense of he has done all these horrific, this horrific shit, including raping and beating up one of the women. 
And he still has this social media platform presence that he can still spout his message for the next four years. Because you can imagine, by the end of the 2020s, when he actually does go on trial and is found guilty, because there's no like shadow of a doubt that he is guilty of these crimes, because you're not like not fucking idiots. But there's no shadow of doubt that he'll be found guilty. But he has four years to infect so many more minds and so many more just spout. I always forget awful that, like, dogma. One of the few good things we have here in America is most of the Bill of Rights that gives us like the right to a speedy trial. Mm-hmm. I forget they don't have like I forget that the Bill of Rights is an American thing, and that like, like you know, like Romania for example does have the right to a speedy trial. Yeah, well, you know, this is obviously a topic for another day, but this, the quick and speedy trial isn't exactly a, like isn't exactly a thing that happens in America either. Just no, I know, I know. Over I'm half, just saying. Of, over half of people in prisons are still like have no trial date yet. Like just yeah. re- remember that we'll, we'll talk about that on our prison episode, which I'm very excited to talk about as well. Oh, I'm going to go crazy on that one. Yeah. Yes. So we can expect a few more years of Tate trying to pop off, but fail because he has lost all internet presence. Um, like if you Google his name, he has fallen off so hard. It's been really, really bad, which is good, which is good. But I mean, it was predictable too. everybody yeah. kind of does the edge of Tate thing it pops off for like a year and then just drops off the planet. TLGR soon to do that. So yeah, obviously get, get on the, get on the ground floor. Now we're popping off so hard. Just saying insider trading. We're about to go pop off. We're about to make a huge brand deal. So make sure to invest thousands of dollars into our show. In our famously publicly owned, uh, <laughs> publicly traded. Famously. <laughs> we are, we're about to be bought by JP Morgan. What are you, what are you talking yeah. about? We're actually going to be acquired by the daily wire. Um, that would be. I would 100 percent take the bag from Daily Wire. I, oh, I, hell back yeah. to talking. Back yeah. to talking about Stephen Crowder. I would take the bag from Stephen from Daily Wire and run. Like not even questioning it. We always. It, it's the running joke within like the left community cause, and like everything like that. It's so much more financially stable and financially secure to be a right wing grifter than a left wing one because there is no big donors for the left wing. Unlike like the right. Like you have the Daily Wire, which is founded by two oil barons. Um, who gave uh, I think it was like 150 million dollars to start to the get to Ben Shapiro and Jeremy Warren to start their thing. There is no leftist organization on the planet that is getting a 150 million dollar donation because no. they are literally antithetical to the ruling class. So, but besides my point, in the, in the sense of right wing grifting, we have Emery Andrew Tate, born on December 1st, 1986. From what I looked looked up, he is basically his goal in life was to never be forgotten or to leave his name like uh, in history in general. And he has tried everything to get to that point. Like I'm talking like everything under the sun to grift. He has tried because as he, as he, as he puts it, when he came, when he came out of the womb, he was already swinging at the doctor. The doctor has never seen anyone so ferocious as Andrew Tate. Uh, I kicked, I kicked him in the face and he was very bruised for three days. According to his biographical, his biographical take. (laughs) But since then, he has basically become like he really grew, uh, blew up last summer. And uh, I don't—I actually don't know my my first experience with him was when he debated Hassan. I had no idea who he was until he started making. Yeah, I saw him on TikTok well before that, spewing yeah, so, just nonsense. Yeah, because I don't have the, the demon. I didn't have the demon TikTok at that point. But so I didn't see I didn't see him anywhere. Yeah, like, I had no off idea who he was. Way way before he debated Hassan. I mean, months, probably six months before he debated Hassan, if not more. Well, I think. I think he his first like real prominent TikTok. thing was when he was uh, on Aiden's stream, Aiden Ross's yeah. stream. At the uh, first he time. was popping off before that. He was going crazy on TikTok for a long time. Well, I know at one point he was the most famous person on the planet in the sense of he was more Google than any other person on the planet, including like Joe Biden and Elon yeah. Musk and stuff like that. So he did get his fame for a very, very brief period of time. But in his um, ever since then, he has been in the quote unquote public stage or public eye in the social media presence because he has. Uh, basically, taking this strategy of appealing to the sad, lonely men in the world and saying the reason you're sad and lonely is not because of capitalism or the patriarchy pushing down this un- unrealistic expectation onto you to be a certain way, aka toxic masculinity, but it's not neither of those things. No, no, no. it's women. Women are the problem. So make sure to hate women. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to the in- incel pipeline. And Bush, I'd love to hear your definition of the incel pipeline. Well, so here's, I, I think, and this is like this, we, we had this conversation for a long time, and anyway, like yesterday, this would kind of be like a, a very big theme for the rest of the episode is just like male insecurity. 
is I think so many men are just so insecure for for no like really just like it, it partly because of guys like Andrew Tate and like other things like it, social media in general really just like hits hard like like all these male influencers like yeah like women women be cheating women be shopping uh like you need to control your girl because she's gonna go cheat on you if you don't and like these men get just so insecure and like scared that they don't even try and talk to women they're just like yes yes father andrew i women are bad yeah like between between we're uh to, to stick on tape we'll talk about some other examples in just a second but uh, Andrew Tate's whole thing, like I said, how he appealed to this male base, which he found was because the only reason he really cares about them in the sense of it's just the easiest way to grift. It's the easiest market to say, hey, men are really sad right now. Let's blame everything except for the actual like systemic problems that men actually face, including his brilliant takes on uh, mental health, including uh, the fact that he doesn't believe depression is real. He's actually been quoted several times saying depression is a myth. If you don't believe in it, it has no power over you because that is how it works. Remember at the Famously. end of the day, Famously. it's all <laughs> mind over matter. What are you guys talking about? Why do, why do you need these? Mind over just, matter. Just, just wake up and be happier. That's all it takes. <laughs> but including, God, I wish I could do an edutain. My, my British is okay, but like, it's definitely not like the, gotta be a top G mate. Like that's not like where yeah. I'm at, but whatever. It and is. He's not even like, doesn't even have like a good British accent. He's like his own thing. And it's so bad. Andrew Tate is horrendous to listen to, both for the way he talks and the message that he spews. Yeah. Because he's just like he, he's just a dumbass. Like he is he's so stupid. He is such a brick. Like it takes a lot. Like and this is this is absolutely a Hassan take, but him and Donald Trump kind of go back and forth on the stupidest criminals on the planet. Because to do a crime successfully, there takes one thing. Don't tell someone you did the crime and you'll tend to get away with things, especially harder to prove things like in Trump's case, mishandling evidence or like mishandling classified documents or in Tate's case, uh, human trafficking over the course of years that, uh, with women on an OnlyFans agency. Those two things are very hard to prove unless you do both of those things and you admit to doing both of them, knowing that they're illegal. Because fun fact for anyone that does not know, this is a little bit of a Tate uh, backstory because I've heard a lot about him in the last couple of days doing research, but he basically lived in the United States until he was a kid when his parents divorced. Then he moved to England and he was there for most of his adult life. And then he moved to Romania in 2019 while he was under investigation for rape. And as he says in his own video, at least 40% of the reason he moved to Romania was to, because the sex, uh, because the rape and sexual assault laws there are far more far more relaxed and like le- like less restrictive even though as we all know how that turned out he didn't get arrested in britain but he did get arrested in romania so that's how bad at doing crime they really are it's just uh like well and like i swear you know, talk about i don't want to like hammer us on to because we're you know starting to get to, up towards our time and there's just so many of these figures to talk to but another big one being you know jordan peterson mm. And he hits hard on the insult thing for like, you know, he produces like the very like traditional, like, oh, you're a man, like be a man. Like, but they, like, they're this very like traditional view of being a man. And I wouldn't call myself really, or you either like a, like traditionally masculine. Like I, like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, boy? I'm the top G. Um, I am the definition of traditionally masculine. Thank you very much. Like I, you more than me, I'm shorter, skinnier. Like I'm not like, super, like, bold and outspoken. Like, I just, like, don't really give it, like, we're in the same way as we're very relaxed and don't really, like, get that fired up about most things. And, like, this, like, we're not, like, the... Especially uh, male ego shit. <laughs> yeah, especially male ego shit. Like, I, like, like, yeah, it's, like, it's the whole, like, you don't need to be fucking loud and annoying to, like, or, like, like oh, I'm the protector. Well, blah, blah, blah. it's like, no, just be normal. <laughs> Stop which, it. Exactly, which... Also kind of bring into our other, like the main other focus of like that I wanted to talk about a little bit too, is the Fresh and Fit podcast. The two guys on there, Walter and Myron. They're also part of this black pe- black pill, red pill, inceldom pipeline in the sense of they recognize that men are chronically lonely in the modern age. There is a mo- there is an inherent modern loneliness to being a man in the man in the like in the like age of today. Like I will one hundred percent support that. I don't think there's any evidence to support the contrary of that. While men are still the ruling class in the sense of a patriarchal society, we still like men as a like as a individual 
are still perpetuated like in a sense of they feel isolated by natural. I think every man on the planet has felt alone at times. I know I certainly have, and I'm sure you have as well, Bush. Absolutely. But at the same time, people like Andrew Tate and Walter and Myron on Fresh and Fit will take that anger and that feeling of sadness. And I will use a quote from one of my favorite YouTube videos, basically instead of taking this sadness and examining it to turn it into something positive, they, they choose rather to basically give in, but amplify because sadness and depression is paralyzing, but anger is motivating and truly like nothing gets you up in the morning, like being angry at someone like, Oh, I got to do something like this to it's going to get so angry. I got to do something right. That's that's like the ultimate motivation is anger. So in that same vein, Walter and Myron on Fresh and Fit will constantly talk about how women aren't oppressed and that men are the are, are the ones that are actually oppressed like by women who manipulate them. And basically teaching young men who are feeling this lonely way to blame and hate women for feeling this way because women are slutty or women are doing X, Y, and Z. When at the end of the day, no, you have to establish your own, like realize that we as human beings are naturally prone to these things, especially men are prone to loneliness in that same sense as same with women as possible as of course it, rather than choosing to hate someone else that has no impact on your life taking some ownership and being like okay it's okay i i can get through this work on myself and go out there don't blame someone else for your own shit that's what i'm like trying to say yeah, I, well, I know I, absolutely and i think it's just like for i think it's two things in particular it's one is like the insecurity aspect of the contestant two like just a lack of like self like realization like self-awareness like pe- like it's like the whole content around like revolves around like one like the insecurity like you can't let your girl go out you can't let her wear things if you do she's cheating on you you're a cuck you're a simp which is just projection oh yeah like, absolutely um and that's the other thing is like like men getting angry at women because they don't want to fuck them and it's like oh your standards are too high or oh blah blah this oh blah blah that like they're just like dude first of all go jerk off calm down um, it is really really simple to most of these problems because yes you did just say it's like what three words go jerk off man it's yeah. not that hard like it just it's i promise you'll feel better um and it's like it's like so many of these guys are like oh there's your standards too high it's like no like maybe you're just not as attractive as you think you are like the, the deepest that you touched on it perfectly in the sense of, and we've talked about this numerous times, whether on the show or just in general, but the biggest problem with so many of these people, especially the, the audiences of people that they captivate is when you feel that loneliness and depre- like depression, you feel so insecure. There are so many people that feel so deeply insecure about themselves, especially young men. And that's what captures them because instead of saying like, Hey, maybe I just need to work on my own mental health. Maybe I just need to like figure out how to look at myself and not feel so insecure or just like, realize that it's okay to not be in control, everything like that and stuff and whatever it is. They look to these people like Andrew Tate, Walter Myron or Sebastian Gorgio on TikTok, uh, basically screaming at them to, Oh, you need to be in the gym 95% of your day. And the other 5% you have to hate on women who, who, who want to despite you. They want to undermine you and take away everything that you worked for to be this hardworking masculine man and make sure that you, if you're going to date someone, it has to be a virgin. That's like 17 or 18 at the max because too much dick has been inside of her. uh, Otherwise, and a direct quote, by the way, from Andrew Tate on a podcast talking about a 17 year old girl. Well, it's like, this is, you know, we had this conversation the other day. It's like, me and you are like, I obviously, you know, I, I have for sure. I'm sure you have to, you know, experience that loneliness and insecurity at a younger age. And I have grown a lot and moved a lot past that uh, through like relationships and just life experiences. But like, like me and you have talked about this quite a bit, like that. I just, I cannot in any way understand like that jealousy with like, or like just lack of trust for their partner. Like, Oh, if your girl's going out or, Oh, if your girl has a friend, who's a guy, like she's cheating on you she's a slut, like whatever. And I just, I don't understand that. And I never have, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, like there's a difference between like, Oh yeah. My, my girlfriend went and hung out with her ex-boyfriend for three straight days where they slept over and like, whatever. It's like, okay, there's lines, obviously there's boundaries, but it's like, yeah, my girlfriend went and hung out with a guy who she's friends with. Okay. Oh, she went out to a bar. Okay, it's one thing if she's like hiding it from you and like trying to sneak around and do it. But it's like, yeah, I'm gonna go hang out with John. Okay, have, have fun. fun. Exactly. the The only thing that like the main point of contention I have with a lot of my even like le- like less conservative guy friends, and obviously you're the exception of that in the sense of we have a similar opinion on this. 
a lot of guys, even that wouldn't consider themselves traditionalist or conservative, anything like that, look to an example or a figure like body count as if it matters in the slightest. Like, yeah, it does not as, matter. As if it impacts their character, it impacts their health, it impacts their, I don't know, quote unquote, for, uh, not fragility, fertility of being a woman in a sense, or virality is what the word I was thinking yeah. of. But it's just the insecurity playing back again, because to give the greatest dating advice of all time, it doesn't matter. In the single slightest, my guy. The only thing that I've always said is if I was going to uh, date a girl that had a body count of 15, the only thing that's going to pop up in my head is I'm going to give her an apology note for being the 16th worst sex she's ever had. Like, that's the only thing. Like, I can guarantee that. But I'm not going to take my anger out on her for having slept with other people before. Who cares? It does not mean anything about your personal value as a person. Like it literally it has nothing to do with your like your character, your values. Like if you're single and you want to do that, like go crazy, go do that. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And it, it is just an insecurity. They're scared that either it, they're too small or they're not going to be good enough. Somebody fuck their girlfriend better. That's what they're scared of. Yeah, absolutely. Just I, I hate saying the phrase. Just stop being insecure because it's not that easy. I, no, I, it, I, it, I 100% it, it's, agree it's, with that. It is, a, and that's like kind of the point that we're trying to convey is insecurity happens to all of us that loneliness happens to all of us it's hard it's a battle we'll all go through but there's a better way to channel it than the way that hating women and like this you know like uh, this is you know like this not this you don't have this but go like go to the gym you, yeah. you'll feel good go to the gym go to, go to the gym like and that's the problem with like andrew tate especially is you know, like he says all this fucked up shit 99 of the time and every but then he'll he'll every now and then every very rarely he'll be like you need to like, he's like, you're feeling down, whatever you're angry, whatever, go to the gym, work out. You'll feel better. He'll say something good one out of a hundred times. And, but there's just so many like healthier, like us, you know, me and you are obviously both biggest on fans. You don't have to be as on fan, but he'll say the same thing. He's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Andrew Tate. He's like, like you're feeling like he says the same advice, you know, go to the gym. So many Mm -hmm. people are saying, go to the gym. You don't need Andrew Tate to tell you to go to the gym. No, I've had numerous like, uh, discussions and sometimes like, just like basically me screaming at him, uh, to one of my dear friends that would basically like he liked something that Andrew Tate had said in the sense of, well, he says some surface level, like a surface level take uh, on top of the misogynistic, like women hating attitude of everything else he preaches, but they'll only focus on that. Like it's separating the art from the artist to a certain extent, but it's the most basic shit where you can find that anywhere else. Like you can find him saying, go to the gym or stop being like, stop procrastinating from Google motivation, and you'll find infinitely more better sources of information Literally than scroll through like, Scroll through, like, gym sources on TikTok. I'm sure some of those guys are chuds, but they don't say it ever, if very often, like their TikToks. I found some phenomenal motivation on there. They don't act, They don't actively say, my sister is her husband's property, and if you yeah. sit around it all day at home and did, and do nothing, what would that make you? A woman. Those are, those are exact quotes from Andrew Tate. I can guarantee you can find infinitely better motivation for anything in your life whether by listening to uh, to soy boys like me and Griffin, or by just Google, hey, I'm feeling a little down. I need some motivation. Simple as that. Find something yeah, that I, makes just, you feel better rather than pointing hate towards someone else. That's all. There's I'm saying. an incredibly distinct like lack of like healthy male role models, and th- so like th- we, me and Cameron's conversation on this got sparked the other day by a female TikTok creator who like was basically like, yeah, if your girlfriend it was, it was a woman, so like if your girlfriend's going out and like hang out with another guy like just the two of them, like she's cheating on you. Like that's cheating. And like, you're like, let's go. I'm on trad wife, TikTok. Like let's I, go. I, I am on trad yeah. wife, TikTok, and I love it. It's been fantastic. Yeah, it's so funny. But it's like, it's that same thing. It's like, I've seen that same creator before. Like make things like, yeah, like Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate are great. Like role models teaching like men to be masculine. And I just think we have such a fucked up view of like what masculinity actually is. And like being com- like being comfortable in your masculinity. Like I've, I'm a very, very straight man, uh, and, and I'm incredibly comfortable in my own masculinity and my own sexuality. And, and in that sense, I've kissed quite a few men, all of almost all of them my friends, exactly. you know, at one point or another. And I remember, I remember when I came to college the first time, and like I said that, and at the time I'd kissed more men than women, and I said that, and people like, give me the strangest looks. Like, oh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm comfortable in my masculinity, and my sexuality. Like, I don't think that affects me. It's the same thing. Like, I'm comfortable in my sexuality. Like, I don't think me kissing my friends makes me gay. And it's the same way. It's like, yeah, I don't think me not doing, not hating women or not, you know, like wanting to be the sole breadwinner or like forcing my girlfriend to stay at home, like makes me more like I'm comfortable in my masculinity. Having a, a strong 
woman by my side. I'd rather have a strong, like, an independent woman by my side who can take care of herself and do her own thing than somebody who, like, wants me to take care of them. But if you are somebody who wants me to take care of you, that's fine, too. Nobody's saying you can't do that. I think some would call that choice feminism, but I'm not that well rid of a guy. Yeah. No, I I 100% agree. It's the lack of – it's the insecurity, lack of confidence in their own sexual prowess or their own gender identity. There is no set of characteristics that it immediately makes you masculine or immediately makes you feminine. There is no unifying set of traits that you have to check off all of these boxes or check off all of these accomplishments in my life or I am less than a ma- less than a man. That's not a thing. No matter what someone tells you, it's not a thing. Masculinity is exactly is how you define it. You define your own masculinity. You define your own femininity. There are certain traits that are generally associated with one or the other, but they are not hard boundaries and they are absolutely not rules to follow every single time. Like, for example, uh, I don't know, men are typically taller on average. That's a thing if you want to look at that. That's obviously skewed with other things as well. At the end of the day, if you are confident and comfortable in your own skin and who you are, you will be infinitely happier and people will be more attracted to that. Yeah. Confidence is very attractive in both sets in both men and women. So I, I think that will be pretty much all we want to talk about today. But in the sense of leaving off on an inspirational note, coming from two soy men who are out here grifting you for thousands of dollars. Famously. So we wanted to come out here and basically say, you know what? If you're a guy out there, it's okay if you're feeling sad, but just don't hate women, man. Like don't like don't it's, push your hatred on someone else. Because it doesn't doesn't not, do good for anyone. It's not the woman's fault. It's not the woman's fault. It's not your fault. It's the patriarchy, toxic masculinity, and at the end of the day, it's capitalism. So if you want to blame anyone, blame. If you want to get angry at anyone, get angry at Jeff Bezos. That's what I'm just saying. <laughs> get angry at those people, and then if, that, if that's who you want to like direct your hate towards, go for it, man. If you want to have anti-Jeff Bezos gym TikTok videos, I will make those every day of the week for you. That's my inspiration. That should be yours, too. But at the end of the day, just be normal. Be a good person. And yeah, yeah, don't don't just, hate women. That, that is my advice to everybody. Just be normal. Yeah, absolutely. But other than that, that has been episode 22 of Two Lefties Get Right. I have been Cameron. And I've been Griffin. And we will see you next week.